All right, friends, let's open up our Bibles to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. And once again, my name is Kenson. I serve as the pastor of our Bridgeport location. And grateful also to have Rave come by our Bridgeport church and be able to have a chance to preach. And if you guys uh, missed the sermon that Pastor Rave gave last Sunday, you guys missed out because he crushed it. I mean, it was like kick the gates of hell down type of sermon, all right? So make sure you guys have a chance to listen to that on the YouTube page for South Loop. A really great sermon that sets up actually today's sermon really well. Daniel chapter 3. Now, we got a lot of verses today. I won't be able to read through all the verses, but I'll be able to kind of work us through the story and kind of highlight some verses that tell really well in terms of what we're trying to get after, okay? So Daniel chapter 3, and let me just read a few verses to kind of get us jumped in here, okay? Uh, Starting at verse 4, I'll be reading from verse 4 to 7, Daniel chapter 3, and it says this, and the herald proclaimed aloud, you are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, As soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, back in 1871, a major event forever changed our city. It was the Great Chicago Fire. It lasted two days, and it consumed an area of about four miles long and one mile wide. And let me just show you an image of what this would have looked like on a map here. Now, there are many factors to why this fire was unstoppable. First off, this was the Windy City, and on that day, the wind was blowing about 20 miles per hour, just about like yesterday, so it was blistering. In addition, a lot of the homes and streets and roads in Chicago during that time were made like, they were shanty towns. They were built up with wood. The streets were wood. So basically, Chicago was, was fuel for fire. And when you would think that the Chicago River would act as a border for the fire to stop, we have to remember that during that time, factories and ships were dumping tons of grease into the river. So instead of the river stopping the fire, the, the river actually caught on fire. And actually, the fire was able to jump from there. And that's why this fire, the fire just spread everywhere. It, it, it was crazy. But here's the thing. You would have thought that this fire would have been the end of Chicago, but it became the very thing the city needed to become an industrial and economic power. Prior to this fire, the city didn't have the infrastructure to keep up with its growth, but now because of the fire, it created an opportunity to remake the city, to rebuild all the rail lines, the financial districts, the streets and roads. And by 1885, Just 14 years after this fire, the city of Chicago gave the world its first skyscraper. The great Chicago fire didn't destroy the city. The fire was the very means of how the city would become a world-class city. Now, if you don't love living in Chicago, you do so now. 
You know, today we're in the book of Daniel, and we're going to look at one of the most familiar stories of all the Bible, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, in the, and they're in the fiery furnace. So what happens in our story? Let me just unpack our story here. Is that King Nebuchadnezzar builds a statue out in the plain of Dura that is 90 feet tall, made completely of gold, and he commands everyone to bow down to it. Now, scholars estimate that there could have been as many as 300,000 people out in the plain of Dura with this statue. Statue. Now, we don't know if the statue looked like Nebuchadnezzar or one of the gods of Babylon. In our verses, it's not clear what the statue would have looked like. But what is clear is that Nebuchadnezzar not only disregarded the dream from chapter 2, but he made it worse. That this was a dream in which we heard last week, in which Daniel tells the king that this statue you see here, made of all these different elements of like gold and bronze and silver and iron and silk and clay and so forth, the all represent different earthly kingdoms, including the Babylonian kingdom as the head, head of gold. And one day, a stone that is not made with human hands will destroy all these kingdoms. And this stone is King Jesus and the kingdom of God. But Nebuchadnezzar, instead of having the people bow to the one true God, he makes his statue gold from top to bottom. This was his way of saying, my kingdom will last forever, and it's the most important thing on earth, so bow to me. So the trumpets blow, and everyone bows down, except for three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, scholars aren't sure how much time has passed between chapters 2 and 3. Some believe that it's a short period of time. Uh, most believe that it's about 15 years or so. So most likely, if this is the case, these three men would be in their early or mid-30s by this time. So what happens next is that the Chaldeans begin to snitch on these guys. They call out Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they go to the king. Verse 12, let me read this verse to you. Verse 12, King, there are certain Jews whom you've appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image you have set up. Now, real quick, imagine the pressure Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego must have felt. That out of 300,000 people, they're the only ones standing. And keep this in mind, that these three men were not the only Jews to be prisoners of war. That by this time in history, a large group of Jewish people would have bowed their knee to this statue, which tells us that their Jewish peers, they compromised their faith. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they would not play this game. They're not going to play the game of, well, you know what? I'll bow my knee on the outside, but inside, I'm really standing up. That's really what's going on. This was not an option for them. They would not compromise. Now, where's Daniel in all this? Is he hiding? Or even worse, is he bowing down? No. At the end of chapter 2, you read in that final verse that Daniel is promoted to the king's court. Basically, he's number two in charge. So as Nebuchadnezzar is right now, right now in the plain of Dura with the statue, Daniel is back in the city watching over the court. And we'll see later that Daniel will have his chance to take his stand for God and be thrown in the lion's den. So Nebuchadnezzar gives these three so Nebuchadnezzar talks to these three men, gives them another chance to bow their knee or else be thrown into the furnace, and they won't do it. Verse 16. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, but if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So Nebuchadnezzar, in a rage of fury, turns up the furnace seven times hotter and throws these men into the furnace with their hands and feet bound. And then something miraculous happens. Not only are they not burning up, but they're taking an afternoon stroll in the furnace with a fourth person. A fourth person. Verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Verse 26 then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning, fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. And then the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. Their, their, the hair of their heads were not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. This is an astounding miracle, especially that last part where, there, where they didn't have a smell of fire. If any of you have ever, ever gone on a campfire, it is impossible for your clothes not to smell like fire. These three men were delivered by God. The fire didn't destroy these men. And just like how the great Chicago fire didn't destroy Chicago, but instead became the very means of how it would become a great city, this fire, if I can say this, was also the very way that the Babylonian Empire would see the greatness of the one true God. Because these three men didn't let fear overwhelm them but, and let them lead them to compromise, but they chose to trust in God and they stepped out in obedience. I love what these three men say in verse 17. They say that we serve God. Verse 18, they say again, we don't serve your God, Nebuchadnezzar. Now notice, they don't say we believe in God. Now, of course, they believed in God, but even the demons believe in God and they're not saved. But when they say that we serve God, it means something much deeper. It means that we have given our lives to God. So Nebuchadnezzar, we don't fear you. We don't fear death because we fear God above all. Now, the fear of God is not that we're scared of God, but it's an incredible reverence for God. It's knowing that God is bigger, that God is greater, that God is bigger than our problems 
all of them. He's bigger than sickness, bigger than joblessness, bigger than that broken marriage, bigger than our sins, bigger than our shame. He is bigger than the grave. That God is the only one that conquered death. Therefore, death is not the biggest thing in my life. It is not the strongest. Death does not have the final word. This is why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was not overcome by fear. This is why brothers and sisters in Christ in the persecuted church who face the fear of death every single day, their hearts are not filled with the fear of death because their hearts are filled with the fear of God. And here's the thing. If you don't have the fear of the Lord, if you are not serving the Lord, eventually those other fears in your life you will bow your knee. You will bow your knee to the fear of people pleasing. You will bow to the fear of insecurity. You will bow to the fear of loneliness. You will bow to the fear of shame and guilt. Now once again, for the other Jews who were at the statue, I am sure that these Jews professed faith in Yahweh, but when the heat was high enough, they compromised their convictions and bowed to the statue. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't bow their knee. Now, were they tempted to bow? I believe they were. I believe they were. How, how could they not be? Because if they bowed their knee, they get comfort. They get ease. They get government jobs. They get to eat good food. Life is peaceable. Everything is great. And all they have to do is just stay quiet about God. But they wouldn't do it. Because the goal of their life was not comfort. It was not to be successful. It was not to be liked by others. Their goal was to be faithful to God. And just like them, our goal is to be faithful to Jesus until he says to us, well done, good and faithful servant. And if this means that we have to go through the fire to get there, we will go through the fire. Amen? Amen. Now, I know that all of us here are dealing with our own fires, our own furnaces. And these things are those challenges that make us anxious, that make us worry. It's the trials of life. And these fires can come into everyday moments of life. You know, maybe your company is failing. You know, you're struggling with an illness or someone that you love is struggling with one. You know, maybe you're single and you're miserable or maybe you're married and you're miserable. Maybe you have no kids and you're miserable, and maybe you have kids and you're miserable. Everyone's miserable, all right? You feel stuck in life. You're heartbroken over the depravity of the world. You're in the furnace. Or maybe your situation is more like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you feel the pressure to bow down to the world. You know, you're anxious to take a stand for God. Maybe it's sharing your faith. Maybe, maybe it's holding a, an unpopular, like, position in culture. You know, maybe it's refusing to embellish numbers at work or on your taxes or on your dating profile. You just won't do it, right? You know, what do you do when the heat is turned up? Will you choose fear that leads to compromise? Or will you choose to trust in God, which leads to obedience? You know, you know, here are two insights we see from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to help us trust God in the midst of the fire. And let me just give you, show you these two insights. First is this. The reason they can stand in the midst of the fire is first is that they were convinced that God was able, okay? And then secondly, they focused on who they were walking with, not what they were walking 
through, okay? So first, the first reason they could face the fire was because they were convinced that God was able. Look at verse 16 and 17 again. It says this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Now, these three men could face the fire because they believed that God was able. Now, notice this. Notice that they did not let the situation change their confession. They didn't let that happen. They, their, their position and confidence in the character of God and his promises stayed firm. In the same way, we should never let pain or our troubles rewrite who God is in our lives. Now, we're tempted to do so. We're tempted to redefine God by our pain. We're tempted to redefine him by our unanswered prayers. But if you want to face the furnace, if you want to have the faith to face the furnace, you have to be convinced that God is able now, this doesn't mean that we know why things happen the way that they do, but I do know that God doesn't want us to change our theology because of our problems. My God is not defined by my life. God is defined by Jesus Christ. And when I see Jesus, I see love, I see forgiveness, I see healing, I see deliverance. Therefore, I'm confident that God is able. I know he can forgive. I know that he can heal. I know that he can answer prayers. I know that he can supernaturally provide. I know that he can restore marriages, that he can deliver from depression, that he can bring salvation to my children, that, that he can do wonders among us. My God is able, and because of that, I can face the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego never doubted God's power, never doubted his character. However, it didn't mean that they always knew God's plans and purposes. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego give one of the greatest affirmations of faith that we see throughout the entire Bible. Verse 18, but if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image you have set up. For these three men, being rescued from the fire was not what was most important to them. Their confession and obedience to God was, even if it would cost them their lives. But here's the thing. When they say, if God does not save us, that doesn't sound like someone who has a lot of faith. Because they have a lot of faith, they have great faith, is to have a faith that is hyper-optimistic, right? It's like, yes, I believe that God is gonna save me, he's gonna deliver me, no ifs, ands, and buts, that is real faith. God will give me anything I ask of him because all things are possible in Christ. That's totally taken out of context, right? But all things are possible in Christ. He will double my portion, he will double my bank account, he will heal my illness. I believe, I believe, I believe that is what strong faith looks like, right? Not exactly, not exactly. Because there's a big difference between having a faith in a particular outcome and having faith in a sovereign God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego never doubted their God, 
but they also didn't pretend that they knew how this was going to play out. So for these three men, their faith was never rooted in a particular outcome. Their faith was rooted in a sovereign God. Their faith was not locked on to their desires and wants. Their faith was locked on to God. And this is how faith, how faith in God prays. It prays like this. We pray to him for what we think is right, but trust him to do what he knows is best. Let me say it again. We pray to him for what we think is right, but trust him to do what he knows is best. Biblical faith acknowledges who our God is, that he is provider, that he is sufficient, that he is loving and always good. And even if these things seem to fall short of that or even contradict that, faith is knowing that his ways are always higher than my ways. It's knowing that his ways are best, not what I think is best. That is real faith. That is strong faith. And what I love about these three men is that they wanted God to deliver them and they believed that God could do it. But if God chose not to, it didn't change a single thing for them. Not one thing. They were not going to worship a false God. Their commitment to God was not based on what God could do for them. It was based on who he is. You know, over the years, I've had so many conversations where people have said to me, and I'm sure Pastor Rafe had the same conversation, well, I, I, I've trusted God. I've lived a good life. Then when I ask God to help me, he doesn't. Well, why, 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 why didn't he do it? I really trusted him. You know, when I hear this, the question in my head is, did you really trust him? You know, I'm not sure if you did. I think instead what happened is that you had God balled up with your agenda and desires. What, what, what your real hope was, what really mattered to you, what you were really, really trusting in was that what you wanted to see happen. That's what you wanted most of all. And you thought that if I obeyed God, that he would give it. And since he didn't give it to me, I'm out of here. That's not really trusting God. This is trusting God plus something else, plus this, plus that, plus, 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 and plus this, right? Now, if God gives you those pluses, great. But if not, then what? Then what's going to happen? These three men said, we're, we're going to trust God, period. Not God plus this, plus that, plus this, plus that. We obey God alone because he's worth it. We trust and love him and serve him for himself and not because of what we can get out of it. And because of this, they could face the fire. Do you guys see this? By the time they were thrown into the fire, they were already fireproof. If God saved them physically from the fire, praise God. But if not, and they were to die in the fire, Praise God, because the next time that they would open their eyes, they would be in the presence of their Savior. Before being thrown into the furnace, they had already won. They were fireproof. And friends, church, we too are fireproof because Jesus saves us from the eternal fire. Now, sometimes we can think that having this kind of uncompromising faith in God, you know, God is able, he can do it, is denying the reality of the problem. No. Faith is not denying the problem. 
Faith is denying the problem's ability to have a place of worship in our lives. Faith does not allow these hard circumstances to take the place of God. It's not denying the sickness. It's not denying the heartbreak. It's not denying the tragedy, the injustice, the poverty, the loneliness. What faith does it is, is that it does not give these difficulties the power to control our joy to control our worship, to control our worship attendance, to control our giving, to control our serving, to control blessing and loving others. Our faith is in Jesus. It's not in the miracles we're praying for. It's not in the answers that we're expecting. It's not in healing or delivery. It's in Jesus, period. Can I just say something that's pretty controversial? I don't believe in healing. I believe in a healer. I don't believe in deliverance. I believe in a deliverer. I don't even believe in salvation. Okay, and this is going on video here. But I believe in a savior. That is who I believe in. Let's not bow our knee to anything or anyone else but Jesus. Be a stubborn Christian, okay? If your circumstances won't change for you, you're not gonna change yourself for them, okay? You don't do that. Be a stubborn Christian. God can deliver, and even if he doesn't, we're still going to worship. God can cure cancer, and if he doesn't, worship him. God can heal your marriage, and if he doesn't, worship him. God can open up that new job, but if he doesn't, worship him. God can give you that spouse, and if he doesn't, worship him. Amen? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could, ha could handle anything because they trusted in God alone. Not God plus this, plus that, plus this, plus that. It was God, period. And here's the final thing that they could face the fire. They could face the fire because they were focused on who they were walking with, not what they were walking through. Verse 23 to 25. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astounded and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, do we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. When Nebuchadnezzar, what Nebuchadnezzar is seeing makes no sense. The math isn't adding up here. I threw three men into the furnace, but now four shows up. Who's the fourth person? It's Jesus. The real king has showed up. He has showed up. And what we see here is the great encouragement of every believer. God is with us. You know, many of us think that when I walk close to God, I'll skip all the problems. You know, that's what it means to walk close to God. No, it's quite the opposite. It's when I walk through the fire, it's when, when I walk through the trial and adversity, that's where he's with me. Psalm 23, it says this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. 
When we are thrown into the furnace, we can be tempted to say, God has abandoned me. I must have done something wrong. You know, like, you know, friends, let me just say, just because you are in the furnace doesn't mean that Jesus is not with you. Look at the story here. Jesus didn't stop them from being bound and thrown in. Jesus didn't stop the fire. Instead, Jesus shows up in the fire. The furnace didn't prove God's absence. The fire was the very way God became more visible to them and to the Babylonian empire. Now, was God there before the fire? God was always there. He's omnipresent. But it was because of the fire he becomes more real. And can I just say, God is doing the same thing with us. He wants to be more real in our lives. And oftentimes, it's when we face the fire of hard circumstances that he shows up. Now, there'll be many times that God will spare us from the fire, but there'll also be many times where God, instead of sparing us, will help us to get through it. Just like how Noah goes through the flood. Abraham goes through decades of childlessness. That Joseph goes through slavery. Ruth goes through a famine. Daniel and his friends go through Babylon. Jesus goes through the cross. As Christians, we don't believe in this escapist theology that says when times are hard, God's going to bail us out. No. What we see is that God will get you through it. Psalm 23 again. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. God showed up to these three men, not before the fire, but in the fire. This is why they could handle anything. It's because they kept their eyes on Jesus, on the one that they're walking with, and not on the fire. You know, you know there's a story in Matthew chapter 14 that Peter's in a boat and there's a storm beating on it. And then Peter looks out and he sees that Jesus is walking on the water. So Peter just screams out and says, Jesus, call me out. Call me out. I want to do the same thing. That's awesome. And Jesus says, come on. You know, so, well, that's how, I, that's how it sounds like to me, okay? Come on, you know. So Peter walks out on the water and he's walking on water. That is amazing. For all the dirty things you say about Peter, he actually walked on water. That's pretty awesome. But do you remember what begins to happen? He begins to sink. Why? Because he took his eyes off Jesus. Matthew 14, it says this. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. When we take our eyes off Jesus, the fire, the trials, the disappointments, it will overwhelm us and we will sink too. But it's when we keep our eyes on Jesus, he will comfort us, he will sustain us, and he will also free us, free us. Notice that it's in this fire, we see that the ropes that bounded these three men, they were burned in the fire. Four times in our story in chapter 3, the word bind, bind or bound is used on these three men. And it's when they're in the fire, the only thing that is burned up is what bound them. Their clothes didn't burn, their hair didn't burn, their flesh didn't burn. And this is why we shouldn't fear the fire. It's because oftentimes it's the very way that we experience freedom. That it's through the adversity we are freed from certain bondages that we are living under. 
I have no doubt that if I brought 10 of you up here right now to share the moment that you drew closer to Christ when he felt the most real to you, I bet it wouldn't be stories of abundance and prosperity. It would be stories of suffering, grief, and loss. That it's in those fires God set you free. It refined your character. Jesus became more real. Sometimes we won't see Jesus till we are in the furnace. And sometimes we don't even know that we need Jesus until the heat is turned up. We all have fiery furnaces in our lives. And just like this story, it can feel like the enemy is turning up the heat seven times hotter than what we can handle. But what we see in this story is that the fire that the enemy wants to use to consume you, God will use to purify you. Friends, can I just say, the miracle that you are praying for is in the fire. It's in the fire. The miracle for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was not outside the furnace. The miracle was when they were in it. Keep your eyes on the ones that you're walking with, the one that you're walking with, and not what you're walking through. Keep your eyes on the Son of God, and you can face the fire. Don't search for a faith that will keep you from the fire, but trust in a God in heaven that will keep you in the fire. The presence of Jesus was there with these three men in their furnace, and his presence will be with you in any furnace that you're facing. Because friends, remember the gospel. Jesus faced the ultimate furnace for us. Just like, just like how Jesus went into the fire with them, Jesus did it for us, but he did it alone on the cross. He went to the furnace not to endure the wrath of Nebuchadnezzar, but to endure the wrath of God that we deserved for our sins. So Jesus died and was buried, but just like these three men who walk out of the fire victorious, Jesus walks out of the tomb as our victor. Thanks for trying to work that out. I I appreciate that, okay? Church, let me just end with this. The God who died for you in the fire is the God who will keep you in the fire. He is able, he walks with us, and we can face the furnace. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that, God, that you are the one that is not absent in the fire, but that, Father, you're the one that stands with us. You're the one that walks with us. You're the one that holds us through it all. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters here that, God, many of us are facing all kinds of different things that we're just wrestling with. Many things that are tempted, Lord, are are tempting us to doubt you. It's tempting us to compromise. But Father, I pray, Lord, through the work of your Holy Spirit, that it would give us the strength to endure, to give us the strength to be able to stain in the fire so that, that, so that, God, that we can see you do that miracle, so that we can see you, Lord, show yourself glorious. Father, I would ask, Lord, that in all those different areas, God, you would also just surround us with great loving brothers and sisters in Christ, just like how Shadrach didn't have to do it on his own or Abednego had to do it on his own, but that, Father, they had each other to lean into. God, I pray that you would help this church to be a place where we can lean into each other so that, God, we can face the furnace and to do so with great faithfulness and love for you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.